a word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. At this point, this is the end of Red Rising, which is wild. Um, so make sure that you've read all the books. Easy peasy. This is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for, oh my gosh, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. This is fucking wild, man. <laughs> like, we finished a series. It. I haven't I mean, done that in decades. A decade? Yeah. Which is at least a decade insane for, I can't believe that. can't believe that. Yeah. Um, as, as we've said, today is going to be a wrap up episode for dark age. And we've got an excellent guest joining us to chat about all things red rising. Pira Ford is here to help us deconstruct and chat about some of our favorite moments and concepts from the series. Pira is an actress, screenwriter and YouTuber who is absolutely fantastic. You certainly don't need my praise because your work definitely speaks for itself. I managed to uh, catch up through the Nevernight stuff that I, I, I've read Nevernight like a in quarantine for the first time um and so i was like oh sweet and then kind of rolled down the rabbit hole from there so uh blame howler pod but that's how i arrived here so i mean i feel like you've done it pretty that's pretty much it at this point i just read books and then i try to make them into films so that's that's honestly it that's me in a nutshell fair enough that's pretty awesome Fair enough. Well, before we get into kind of the meat of the episode, generally, we just talk about what we're drinking. Um, so, PJ, what are you having? I made myself a drink called a Necromancer. So this is I had to alter it a little bit um, because I couldn't find Lillet Blanc at all at the liquor store. And I also couldn't find white vermouth in general. <laughs> so hmm. an ounce and a half of absinthe. An ounce and a half of uh, St. Germain, which is an elderflower liqueur. And then an ounce and a half of Lillet Blanc is what would go there, but I did sweet vermouth and a dash of Angostura bitters instead. And then a dash of gin. And then I added a lemon twist and a cocktail cherry. So this is kind of an alteration or a flip on what's called a corpse reviver. So instead of being gin with a rinse of absinthe, it's absinthe, absinthe forward with like a little dash of gin. So, really good. Um, to be themed after the sweeter than I expected. What was that? To be themed after the necromancer, of course. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right. Good That's work. why I did it. Good work. That's why I did it. Um, and then following that up, I've got a smoothie sour from Talking Waters Brewing called High Five. It's their five year anniversary beer hmm. with uh, I think there's birthday cake in it. It's like strawberry and birthday cake and a whole bunch of shit. Weird. So weird. It's weird. It's weird, but it's good. Um, this this is a curious question. We've obviously got a, a very interesting craft beer scene here in the states. How is that for you over there, Piera? Is it? I mean, um, I'm not a big beer drinker myself. I'm like, I'm gonna ruin the whole. I primarily drink mead when it's available, which isn't often. I mean, like, it's mm -hmm. just not a thing. But unless I go to the Renaissance Fair, which has been canceled the last two years because of COVID. Um, but my, my best friend for my push present, um, after giving birth, he bought me two bottles of this like really nice honey mead from one of the places down South. So 
Can't really confirm or deny the craft beer situation, but I found a good meat supplier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say yeah, birthday cake is weird for a beer, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the facial reaction. I was like, I can't not let that go. Like, <laughs> Interesting, interesting. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's it's a little wild. Sounds uh, good, though. Piera, what are you having? <laughs> like I said, I am breastfeeding, yeah. so mm-hmm. I am currently on the tea, uh, much to Severo's disdain. <laughs> and what what type of tea i mean i'm sure uh just casual black casual okay. black tea two sugars and milk and All it's right. probably cold now so i'm <laughs> gonna <laughs> get started on it <laughs> fair enough fair enough um i'm having a spin on a dark and stormy called the storm gods basically i just swapped out a couple of things the ginger beer for tonic um added a little bit more lime to compensate for the like loss of the ginger beer flavor and then uh, it spun in a little bit of just a tiny bit of bourbon to give it a little bit more darkness because it was too light for my tastes, not for my taste, but for my eyes. Um, so it wasn't really it didn't look like a dark and stormy, so I had to fix it. But yeah, that's that's that. And then I'm following that up with. Oh, God, what is it? Uh, Perpetual Outrage from New Anthem Brewing. The normal double IPA should be good. Wonderful. So, Very nice. well, well, sweet. So with that, we'll actually get into talking about the books in the show. PJ, obviously, this is this is your first time finishing it. And Piera, I've I've heard, you know, some some opinions and whatnot. But the this is a dark fucking book like this is a a soul crushing book. What was your first reaction? Oof. So I've probably read it about five times now mm-hmm. in both um, physical and audio. Can I just first of all say the audiobooks? if you haven't? I'm not sure if you guys did audio or have done the audio books. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Easy, easily the best audio books I've literally ever heard. Mm-hmm. the first time i read it i didn't love it because i think it was it just felt so hopeless and dark like there was no light and the things that were a little bit light ended up just getting like fucking skull stomped by the end of it um so it was just a really big emotional journey of like i felt like shit for three days now having read it and i also think i read it very quickly so i didn't really let a lot of it sink in a lot of the, like the under like the undertones and all that digest so by the time up at the fifth read now, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I think it's, you know, definitely up there in like my top three of the series. Um, but yeah, still super fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an unequivocal, like, just, you know, I, I always think of like the end of Golden Sun as one of the darker moments of the series, right? And, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we got like, because I, I caught up and started reading right when Iron Gold had came out. And then caught up with Dark Age when that came out as well. Actually set it down after uh, the Day of Red Doves and then picked it up like two months later because I couldn't move forward. (laughs) But uh, it was it was a whole reaction. Um, Big. The big thing for me, though, is like the rest of the series doesn't have kind of these dark moments. And then it's an entire book that's just it is like the end the Darrow's triumph every single time, like every every chapter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. PJ has been sulking for like days now since we finished. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has it recovered no oh man it's it's rough it's pretty rough all of it but i'm so excited for the rest of it like i mm-hmm. i i see where all of it's not where it's going but how it can go forward and it all is just ah terrifying <laughs> and amazing and ah enticing so yeah one of the one of the bigger components that's discussed by 
the fandom at large, of course, is the the sort of fuck Lysander movement. And I think it's really important that we have a fuck Lysander <laughs> conversation because um, we have a guest coming on next week of whom is uh, going to be voicing some sympathizer notions. So I think it's uh-uh. important that we get Ooh. it out right now, right? <laughs> Hard pass. No, see, the shitty thing is I – the first time I read this book, like, vehemently hated this man. I was, like, mm-hmm. ready to go to the mat to just, like, destroy this character I hate to say that I can see some of the, like, I can see what Pierce is doing, which in my mm-hmm. books is, you know, the sign of a good writer, a character well-written. If you hate a character so much, like with your depth of being, like that's a good character. That's yeah. a well-written character. But yeah, I'm, I'm heavily the president of the Fuck Lysander movement based on <laughs> the end, largely the end of the book. So. Mm-hmm. Unanimously elected. Get over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. So we, we had a conversation with one of our listeners regarding sort of his progression. And we had talked about how it seemed like he was so much more about sort of the honor of sh- shepherding the other colors. And like he devolved from there. And then yeah. th- their take on it after subsequent read throughs was that it was always kind of there. And he just kind of let it out more towards the end. How, how did you feel about that sort of take? Yeah, I mean, definitely, yeah, having, like, having heard that now definitely makes sense. I mean, I think, I don't think I paid too much mind to him in the, like, the original saga, because, I mean, he's in it for a little bit, he, you know, he's used as a, as a pawn, and then you get a couple scenes with him, but especially, I mean, being raised by Cassius in general, you would hope for the best, but obviously there's going to be some bias there, you know, like, it's like that nature versus nurture thing, like, obviously Cassius has gone through all this stuff now, but there will still be that ingrained sort of I don't want to say like purism to them, but that same sort of like, you know, that's how you were raised. It's hard to, it's hard to make change once it's so ingrained in you. Um, but like I said, I think he's a pixie bitch. So I really like, I, I won't be taking any questions at this point. Like not interested. He crossed the line for me, like may have, may have survived. Um, but not with that, with that last one. Not for me. Hard yeah. Pass. Yeah. Not at all. The The other part that upsets me about Lysander, and PJ and I talked a little bit about this um, when we were recording our episode the other day, but the fact that it is also the first, like, straight-up sex scene that we get in the entire series is between him and <laughs> like, Atalantia, right? Like, yeah. ah, <laughs> come really on, come on. Like, props to Pierce for doing that, because I'm sure he would yeah. have known, like, how much, like, considering the fan base and what we're all like, I'm going to say, like, most of us probably would have enjoyed a bit of smut at some point, but, you know, I... I hated every second of it, which I think was largely the point. Um, it was a very interesting power move on Pierce's part, but also a giant fuck you to the Phantom. <laughs> so, a little offended, but like that's, I've got some respect for it. Ah, oh, it it just that that's soul sucking to me, and like the the whole concept mm-hmm. of of Lysander being in in that situation, and like basically being torn between two like aunties, not quite aunties, is just. But it I makes fucking- sense. It, it makes sense because he's a little bitch and only little bitches <laughs> fuck their aunts. No offense to anyone out there fucking your aunt. Like, do, do Actually, you. May, maybe direct offense, but... Full offense, full offense. Full offense. Please do not have sex with your aunt. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. PJ, did you have anything to add? <laughs> add to that? To the fuck aunties. <laughs> no, I mean... Or don't fuck aunties. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just hilarious that... It's directly butting in with his cousin. He's also fucking his aunt. Uh, and for that, it's his actual aunt. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think I'd actually repress that memory. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
for unlocking that for you. Yeah. Yep. Just memory unlocked. Ugh. Oh man. Yeah. That's that one's tough. Um, I guess I'm kind of my brain's working reverse chronological order, but I I'm really thinking. I think I'm thinking a lot about Victra and sort of her place in the the later story in the this book. Um, and, and kind of Volga and Lyria and certain, kind of the sisterhood that happens there was really unexpected and like a great, great set of moments. Um, it's also the only <laughs> villain who dies is Harmony, you know, from from that in this yeah, entire book. Sure. So I, I don't know. What, how do we all feel about kind of their alignment and the way that they moved and kind of the, the arcs for Lyria, Victra, Volga over the course of this second trilogy so far i'm not a fan i love volga i like mm-hmm. would kill many men for volga i think she's great and where i think and hope she's going with her arc i'm really looking forward to it mm-hmm. um and there were definitely some clues in the book of that um so very keen for her victor is my favorite like i've always loved victor i've loved victor since day one i want to be victor when i grow up i i had when i first read the book i had a lot of problems with her a birth story, I guess. I don't know why. Like, I hadn't given birth by that point, but I was like, nah, genetically engineered women. Of course, you've got it easier. And then I went through it. Now I get it. Um, <laughs> but, so I yeah, had much I mean, more fair. respect for it. But I didn't, yeah. I don't know. As for the like the threesome that they became, I just don't know. I don't like Lyria. I've never been a huge mm. fan of Lyria. I think Lyria was kind of pointless, especially with the whole, like I, like, I can see what they're doing with the whole red hand situation and harmony and all of that sort of stuff i just didn't like it but i'm more excited to see where she goes from here with figment and kind of who she is now is probably the best way where i stand on all three of them yeah with with figment it makes it gives credence to her actually being a point of view i feel Mm. like yeah i'm I'm with you i I think it makes more sense now Mm. i didn't i didn't love it right away but i it, she grew on me. She definitely grew on me yeah. throughout throughout the time. Yeah, I, Lyria, Lyria is a tough character because the agency that she shows in Iron Gold is predominantly through Ephraim's perspective. That's the only time that we see her actually exert agency for the most part. And then finally in this story, she does actively take some agency after literally sitting in a cell for uh, two months or something. I can't remember how long it is. But, you know, while, while she's sitting in the playpen of Electra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I want to love Lyria. I want to really like her. And I tried to make sure when we were going through the podcast that I didn't down talk her too much. But I do kind of agree that she's she's a sticking point, but it's a perspective that, you know, we've we've never been given. Yeah. Before, so there's that's that. what I was thinking. Yeah. Like your, your main if your main two women are Victor and Mustang and they're like, you know, you've got Victor who's, you know, all brains and balls and brawn and Mustang is mm-hmm. mostly brain and obviously brawn because they're all gold and amazing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lyria <laughs> is just she's just not that. And so I guess that kind of you know, for me looking into it I, as a woman plays into that very much. Like only strong female women um are, you know, interesting protagonists as a, I mean, again, they're not they're my kind of protagonists. They're the ones that I like. I like the ones who will beat the shit out of someone. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily for everyone, which is why I think it took me so long to like Mustang. I didn't like Mustang for the longest mm-hmm. time because I just didn't. I found her boring. I found her com- like to me, she was complacent, and I couldn't. I I couldn't see the you know brainy side of it and how clever she actually was. Um, and so like I say every time I read through the series again, I just fall more and more in love with her. And whereas Lyria is so different to both of those, and you forget she's so much younger as well. Like obviously different to where these guys were when they were that age, but in terms of where she's been her entire life, just, you know, stuck in the mind, she doesn't know much. Yeah. So you want to give her some, you know, some mm-hmm. grace. 
Are there any other perspectives of yours that have changed over time in rereads and PJ as well? Like what perspective has changed now that you've completed the series for the first time? I'm assuming you'll re-listen to it. So, <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, one, one thing we commented on quite a bit through the first trilogy was the fact that we never really got any sort of read on non-peerless scarred golds. Mm. Yeah. Except for Pliny. I think Pliny's the only one we ever really meet. Until Lysander, I guess, if that counts. But he's kind of an extraordinary case. I'm still curious, like, what is that society? Like, what is that? Av- what is the average gold actually like? Because every single yeah. person we've met has been an extraordinary Piece of shit, I'm sure. Of like, they gotta yeah. be just <laughs> the worst kind yeah. of people. Because Pliny <laughs> was awful, you know? Yeah, Pliny's based on anything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's very true. That, yeah. That's kind of a question that's still kind of lingering for me. Like, what are they actually like? Because we're meeting like 1% of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. effectively. We're spending a lot of time with the 1%. That makes sense. Did you have any perspectives that changed when you finished the series or in rereads, Pierre, like you were saying, um, beyond Mustang, obviously being a big one? Yeah, Mustang was the main one. I think I I grew to like Ephraim more. Let me think. I think I like Severo less, which is devastating to say, but I have reasons for that one. Mm, I'd no, love to hear those reasons. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I feel bad <laughs> oh, even okay. having them. Um, I think the only thing that I, and now I look back at it. So I, my daughter's middle name is Aja based mm. on the series. And I thinking back, like I've grown to really like Aja as a character, mm-hmm. even though she's fucking awful when you're, you know, on the good guy's side, but you think about her as a character and, you know, even, you know, I think it was Lorne who said, you know, never fight Aja, never fight a, a river or running a river. water or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, imagine, imagine that, like the greatest swords master in, you know, all of the, the worlds and whatever saying that about you. Like, that's it. You're done. Like, that's that's all you need to die. That's happy. the ball game, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I want, you know, I want like a background on Aja and then obviously linking to uh, the other Furies and Lysander's family and all that sort of stuff. And just that background and kind of the, I guess I'm, I love origin stories. So I would love to hear like, you know, young Lorne's story, young Aja, you know, all of those sorts of things. So not so much perspective change, but I've grown to appreciate them more as I read it as, a, you know, as opposed to the first time I read it, Aja kills a bunch of my favorite characters. I'm fuck you cow. But now fuck I'm just you. like, you know yeah. what? She probably had a really good reason. So, <laughs> so, so similarly for me, that's kind of Octavia. Like oh, no. throughout no, no, no. throughout Dark Age, <laughs> not not that I not that I like her, and and the last section of the book really kind of dropped that down a peg a little bit. But oh yeah, for sure. The more and more we got sort of flashbacks from Lysander about Octavia, the more I really wanted more backstory yeah. on Octavia. Yeah, she she went from being just kind of a sourceless face of the big bad in the first trilogy to really really deep. Mm. And there's a ton of lore there, I'm sure, in the background, and I really want that sort of released somehow. It's it's so mm-hmm. interesting that you both brought up points that basically came about because of Lysander's perspective, right? Like we get the only reason we get a lot of this history is because of Lysander. No, no, which is to Lysander, so please. <laughs> <laughs> no, apologies here. It, it's like meta credence, but you know, it's it's not. It I is meant. less like, new. Yeah, yeah, like that's uh, a well written character. If mm-hmm. you you know you hate this person, but you're like, hmm. Tell me more. So, you know, kudos to Pierce for that, but also fuck off. The other one is, I think, Dio Romulus's mom. There's so many D names. Mm-hmm. But she talks about the fact that Anastasia Dido? played. No, Dido. not Dido. Because that's, no. that's Dio's that's, Dio's sister. Oh, yeah. Who is? I know who you mean. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. man. 
what what is yeah anyway grandma grandma romulus um <laughs> grandma raw Ra, yeah jesus messing everything up already but she she recounts a couple of different stories about like anastasia mm. playing the piano and that being a huge deal and then that triggering the memory back in iron gold and pj brought it up at the time and i wanted to just emphatically agree but i can't you know i can't spoil the rest of the series for him and i can't talk ahead but i was like yeah you're totally right i want to know more i want to know what she knows i want to know all that mm. history. I want that background on Lauren. I want the I want the Rim family tree in the in the past. I want yeah, to know more about yeah. Revis even. Like, gimme that. Mm. Gimme it. Damn I remember it. that really surprised well, I didn't surprise me because I'm used to Pierce's writing by that point. But when mm. my partner wrote it for the first time with um is it Romulus? Oh, there's so many bloody R names. Anyway, Rom- the fact that he dies so quickly. Yeah. With the with the and like the fact that he doesn't make it to um Mm-hmm. The, the shroud or whatever. Like, that's yeah. that's hilarious. Like that's devastating. Ugh. And then yeah. who was it? A few like a, a couple chapters later, someone goes, "How did he die?" And like still talking, or you know, he spoke too much or whatever. Atlas. I just found yeah. that yeah, I found that so interesting because like you know, you, this guy, this character is set up essentially like Lawn, like untouchable, really like you know, just I don't know, yeah, just above all of it. And then for him to die like that, and for someone to say shit like that. Like hilarious, but devastating. Super devastating. It's like don't meet your heroes. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's, that's sort of the brutality of that moment. And I think a lot mm. of like the sequel series is like being an honorable man is only good for so long. And that's clearly what yeah. Darrow's learned, and that's what Lauren had even learned before. And that's why he was like, don't become a soldier because you can be an honorable man if you're not a soldier. Ties yeah. into his whole you know parental theme in the second arc for sure. At this point, mm-hmm. which is you know fantastic. Mm-hmm. I can't I like I always laud praise on these books so widely and it probably to PJ he's like you just love everything and it's like there are other books that are bad I swear like <laughs> I just I brought you through <laughs> one of the best series really first <laughs> yeah yeah right which is fair mm-hmm. I mean I, I feel the same I feel like I'm just like oh my god these books are amazing like yeah. I feel like you know the amount of people who it sounds really up my ass but like you think of Red Rising you think of me like in terms of I think I've just been here so long and I'm just constantly talking about how good it is but um, like there are like that's the thing like there are I didn't love it the first time I read it and there are things that I dislike about it granted that I love them now but they're just mm-hmm. good books so yeah and <laughs> Fair like like you've said like TGR's performance for the first three books is oh, bar none the best audiobook model. presentation ever yeah ever a hundred percent like I, I yeah. sadly prefer them to reading the physical book which isn't something that I like I was saying earlier I don't listen to podcasts because I I talk so fast. My brain computes much faster. And so anyone really mm-hmm. slow kills me. So that's why I listen to it on three speed. And so I just smash through it very quickly. But it's just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, three speeds nuts. I, <laughs> but. I absolutely, <laughs> I think I listen at the max speed. I think it's 2x speed for me is the fastest I can listen at or the fastest possible on, on audiobooks.com audiobooks. or whatever you use. Yeah. Mm. Hey. I don't know. That's what I that's what I downloaded a long time ago. Forgot I subscribed and ended up with like 15 credits a year nice. and a half later. So that's what I use. But I think it maxes out at 2x speed. And that's what I listen at, which yeah. is too fast for a lot of people. But yeah, my partner listens to I it. At like, I think he listens to it on like mains, like the normal mm, speed. And so I, I get in the it. car and it's playing and I'm like, just can we please like the next sentence, please speed it up. Sentence, I'm thinking please, like three sentences. Yeah, exactly. But I would, I would, I would listen to TJR that slowly if I had to under duress. <laughs> but so you both, you both done the audiobooks? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. first time I read it, I listened to it. But did you have thoughts on? Like, what were your thoughts on? I guess obviously reading the, the hearing the first three, and then obviously having new POVs, new narrators, and then the switch between Lyria and Lysander in the first and second books. 
So I was so turned off by both Lyria and Lysander's voice actors originally that I would listen to uh, Ephraim and Darrow, and then I'd pick up the physical book and read. I was the same. Because I could not listen to them. I, like, I couldn't. So even if I was in the middle of, like, a long car ride, I'd be like, cool, I guess I'm pausing this and listening to music for the rest of the car ride, and (laughs) then I'll read it when I stop. Yeah, uh... I liked Ephraim's. I I love Tim Gerard Reynolds. I mm-hmm. I am trying to figure out a way to get him on this show. <laughs> I want to. I'd love to. I Just think a it'd lot be fun. Of praise. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah, we used to talk about him almost every episode during the first trilogy. But um, the other two, I don't hate them as much as a lot of people seem to. But I didn't love them either. I don't. Mm. Know. I definitely looking back on it, I remember hating. I hated Lyria like across the board in book one. I didn't like Lysander in book one. But I hated Lysander in book two even more. Mm. And I think I was used to Lysander in book one now. And so I think a lot of people said that he sounded really old. But I liked that because obviously he's, you know, I don't yeah, know. Like he's he got... always seemed older than he was. Yeah. Um, whereas the mm. new one just – and the Cassius for me. Like I don't <sighs> – like you just yeah, you can't no. have the original say Cassius for X amount of years and then just come in and be like, Cassius. But I get it because of the dialect difference. It still kills me. So I have an important question is, real quick. The <laughs> orange master maker throughout Dark Age, what's his name? How do you say it? Uh, I'm sure. The orange master maker. I can't say it because I'll sway your opinion. In my so oh, the G. Yeah, I'm just trying to picture it. How yeah. do I? We say it wrong. So like factually, we you're say better. It very yeah. wrong. <laughs> we can yell that for it. Gilrest- what do you guys say? Now I forgot. What 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 did you say? Gil- Gilrestes? I forget. Gilrestes. That's is. what we say. That's yeah. what we say. No, okay, the, what, no, no, I'm wrong. But it's it's Glorastes because it's G L I not G I L, and I've been I got brutally eviscerated (laughs) (laughs) for pronouncing it wrong for like ten episodes. But then I said Glorastes, didn't I? G I L. Yeah, G I L. Yeah, but it's Glor. Yeah, Yeah. Glorastes. Yeah. So I was just thinking. (laughs) I say I say Gil. Yeah, right. I I got so many people like you guys say this wrong so often that I had to comment. I was like, you're right. You're right. My bad. It got to the point where I would just put Gil. Like G-I-L in the notes. <laughs> Orange mate, you know him. Fair, um, totally but, fair. Like, it, that's the thing. Like, it killed me going through, like listening. Because I, I mean, as as a reader, like I think mm-hmm. it was the, I was, the other day I was explaining, you know the word garangit, oh, I fucking I'm going to say it wrong. Gargantuan. Yeah. Yep. I never said gargantuan out loud for any reason. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I read it, I read it as garangitang. Don't know okay. why. Don't even know if that's <laughs> that makes a word. Sense. And so it's, it's just like that. Like <laughs> words that you see and have never said. Whereas with mm-hmm. this one, like, especially the names, like you hear it. And then, so my, the way I, in my brain now has always been the way that TJR has said anything. Yeah. And so there's a few, there's a few mm. moments in book two where, you know, you get Cassius or you get some, uh, somebody else said something. The, but TJR a couple of times says Servo. I don't know if you guys caught that, but it was. Oh, I he did does. catch that. Oh, I was like, what? Whoa, you know the name. Like you've known the name for years. It doesn't just change. Anyway, uh, I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're probably having an off day. You know, I'm sorry. Like. Praise, praise TJR. Mm-hmm. It could also be my, I, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit in that. <laughs> it could be a, in like an autocorrect thing, depending yeah. on how he has his like uh teleprompter or whatever. But even then, yeah, like but, you'd still, you'd know, unless he was reading it for the first time and was like, cause I've done it as well. Like right. I've done audiobooks and I've just read it and then gone, Oh, actually that was wrong. But like my dude, you know, you know what it is. You know who it is. Um, yeah, and so that's just another thing that I had with the audiobooks. So it was just, just really interesting. Just to add fuel 
just to add fuel to the fire as far as the Glorostes thing goes, I misheard something in the audiobook because I listen to it at 2x speed and sometimes I'm working while I'm listening and sometimes I'm doing homework and like just bullshit's <laughs> happening. Mm-hmm. I thought I heard Lysander's voice actor say Gilraists. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, we're wrong. <laughs> it's Gilraists. <laughs> For an entire episode, I tried to say Gilraists. <laughs> Uh, that was not, that did not end well for us. <laughs> oh no. But, yeah. So there was that. Also, I, in, I initially thought it was Cassius. Yeah. Because that's the only way I've ever heard that name pronounced. Yeah. Um, well, see, I was like, the opposite. I'd only like, ever heard Cassius. And then obviously yeah. reading it looks like Cassius. But then being mm-hmm. on like all of the Red Rising forums that I'm on, people come and be like, oh, well, if you look at like the Latin roots or like some sort of. You know, depending where you're from, and I guess accents are involved and all that. Because I'm sure I say different words, you know, to you guys just based on accent alone. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 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 I don't know about that. My, the yeah. best modern example, I think, that I'm sure people have brought up, but I have been completely, like, I've segregated myself from any sort of forums because I Spoilers. absolutely did want not did not want to be spoiled on anything. Mm. So I'm sure somebody's brought it up, but Muhammad Ali, his real name is Cassius Clay. And that's the only time I've ever heard the name Cassius. Right. So like my initial read through was, all right, that's Cassius. I've but, heard Cassius, but I, it, when I've seen it, it was spelled different. And mm, so I was just okay. like, oh, cool. It might be spelled it. it it might be Cassius Clay is spelled the way that you think it is. It's spelled the same way, okay. but I, I do agree. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's the Latin root. I think from you know the early yeah, time some, periods. Yeah. And, I'm sure there was yeah. a reason that he did it. Surely he wouldn't just go, "Oh, TJR has laid down all of this groundwork. I'm just going to fuck it up." So yeah, yeah. You know, benefit of the doubt. Do you fair. think he read it ahead of time, or do you think he listened ahead of time, or do you think I he just jumped know. in? It made me think he did it. But then I was just kind of like, look, I don't like I, having done audiobooks. I know the circumstances aren't always, you know, you don't have a chance to read X amount of books or listen to X amount of books. Mm-hmm. But you would think that, mm-hmm. and again, I've been lucky enough sometimes that I get like the author sends through like pronunciation guides of how to say it or yeah, how to, right. how it's said or something like that. So you're not, and again, being fantasy as well, like some of the fucking names you get are just keyboard smashes. And you're like, cool, <laughs> I'll just riff and see what comes to, comes to mind. But yeah, I, I genuinely I, don't know. Anything in Nagal is just fucking ridiculous. Nagal, yeah. <laughs> the entirety. Oh, man. Keyboard match, for sure. Tier Morga, yeah. The whole thing. Oh, I mean, the, the pronunciations are definitely wild. I had a thing. Oh, the um one of the things that I wanted to bring up at the very least is we spend a lot of time because we plod through the series, to be honest, to make sure that PJ can keep up and, like, That's spend fair. time because he's a slow reader and, you know, we, we do that. But we spend, Just like, a lot of time talking. Bus. Well, he threw himself under <laughs> no. the bus to begin with. That's so, true. like, it's been since high school. Like, we can, we can like, let That's that fair. exist. That's fair. Everyone should know. So, to give, to give sort of a, a hard <laughs> he's example. He's not defend himself. Of, he's actually. Go, no, go no. I, to give a hard example of how quickly I read. I read at the pace, at 2x pace. Like, on the audiobook, if you go to 2x speed, that's the same pace I read at. So, the reason I do that is because I read while I listen to it. So, that's my that's reading insane. pace. <laughs> that's insane. How do you do that? Sorry. I have, like, a very ADHD brain in terms of, like, if I'm reading, that's all. Like, my brain cannot handle more than just reading. How do it's you do one that? It's one-to-one, though. Because it's, this, it's the same word that I'm I reading so. that's in my head. Yeah. 
Like it's, I must be off then. It's like listening to something and reading the subtitles at the same time. But we have another, our, yeah. actually, our I website engineer do does it. it the same. Yeah. yeah. So I think I read faster than I listen. I, I feel it yeah, helps me. Agreed. I, I feel it helps me really solidify everything mm. in my head because I have to listen through it two, three times on top of reading it before an yeah. episode. So. Oh, that's fair. I mean, like, I, I read really fast, and I think I probably do skim read a lot of things, like this, this, the words that aren't important, the words that aren't important in a book. Um, and so there are a lot. Of, when I listen to the audiobook, there are a lot of things that I've missed in the actual book because I my brain is like colors or you know locations or something because I've just gone you know yeah it's just as fast as I can. And so I go back or names, and I'll go back and I'm like, oh, it was Glorastes and not Gilrastes. <laughs> Gargantuan Garangatang. Like, what the fucking word is Garangatang? I'm sorry. Like, Gargantuan Garangatang, yeah. That's only something I've come to notice in, like, the last week. So I'm still dealing personally with that on, like, a deep molecular level of, like, how the fuck did you get that wrong for, like, 28 years? So, what's, you know. What's the word that I've said wrong uh, so many times, PJ? Um, rain? No, not rain. It's something to do with... Fuck. A- anyway, we went into like a whole like twenty. Sovereign. We had to cut it. Sovereign, sovereign, sovereign. Yeah. Like they're two different <laughs> things to me in my brain, and I'm just it's wrong, but it's fine. Sovereign, sovereign, what? sovereign, and sovereign. Oh, so- I think right, of gotcha, as different, gotcha, gotcha. but it's the same word, but they're dip. I pronounce the meanings English differently. Language, man, yeah. who needs it? Fuck it. Speaking oh, wait, of the English it? language, though, part part <laughs> of like what I wanted to talk about at the very least is we spend a lot of time because we go so slow through the series talking about the poetry, the themes, the Greek layerings, mm-hmm. the Latin parts. That's that's been one of my favorite things to do, especially through Dark Age and Iron Gold, because it becomes so prominent. I arrived at the series as a recommendation after I read Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. So like I immediately <laughs> fell in love with this yeah. and whatever else when I was like 20. And yeah, so what what do you read into the poetry? Have do you pay attention to the poetry even in the in the text or? I honestly not really. I think because okay. I was just so, when I first because I first got into it. I think Iron Gold. Ah, uh, sorry, Golden Sun had just come out, and I was yeah. oh shit, I don't know, early twenties, early to mid twenties. We're the same and age. I just remember, so yeah, are we? I feel really yeah. old. <laughs> it's me just admitting it. Um, what was I going to say? I, so at that point where I was as a reader was, I loved, you know, like explosions and death and killing and like drama, drama, drama. And to now reading it as an adult, I'm like, mm, let's sit with the quiet moments and let's like, you know, engage more yeah. into the poetry and like the actual art, you know, you know, I don't, didn't think I gave, uh, Pierce as an author enough credit when I first read it. I was just like, oh yeah, it's another, at that point, YA, hot Hunger Games-y type of thing. So I was like, yeah, Especially cool. the first book, yeah, right. Yeah, I was like, whatever. And then, especially, you know, going into Iron Gold, and I think that was such a, um, like, not culture shift, but... A tonal in, shift, well. yeah. Yeah, tonal. I was like, tectonic plates? No, that's not what I need. Um, <laughs> tonal plates. Oh, uh, tonal, fuck off, Pierre. Tonal um, plate. <laughs> tonal earthquake. It's all fine. I'm running on such little sleep. Um... That it was such a shock to me. Yeah, because obviously that you and it's uh Iron Gold is like the mature older brother of the original trilogy. The original trilogy is just like, yeah, fucking jacking off in bushes and you know, shit everywhere. Whereas this one's much more yeah. So no, the answer that I'll get back to is no, I didn't. I have come to every time I reread it more. Um, but I'm not I don't I'm not like a, not like a deep analytical reader. I'm still very much mm-hmm. the escapism. I love characters, so depending on, you know, if the characters are well-written and I connect the characters, the, like, lyrical prose and all that sort of stuff isn't my my bag, but 
as I get older and read things that aren't fantasy, trying to appreciate it more. Yeah, fair. All right. That makes sense. That was a great <laughs> way of answering that question. Nah, it's Sorry, I, I babble a lot. We <laughs> babble a lot. That's why most of our episodes are right around two hours long. It's a, it's a problem at this Just, point. Based on that question and something I hadn't really made the connection to until just now, we used to talk about all the like sci-fi references that used to be in the in the first trilogy, mm-hmm. and those completely fell off in in favor of like stoic quotes and and like really sort of Roman poetry and yeah right yeah like you go that, from like Severo to Lorne and there's like such a difference. It's like the yeah. first trilogy is Severo, second trilogy is Lorne. True. Yeah, yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. comparison. Very, very apt. Uh, thank you, thank you. Oh yeah, good work, good work. <laughs> Keeps me up at night. I just plan <laughs> what I'm going to say. Uh, you say that as I'm staring at a bucket of notes, as <laughs> though <laughs> <laughs> so I am planning what I'm going to say. Prepared. Nothing is wrong with that. I wish no, I could fine. be more of a plotter than a panther. See, I'm more of a pan as as a also writer, but not nearly as accomplished um, by any means. Uh, totally was a pantser tried plotting plotting didn't work so went back to pantsing and just finished a bunch of projects and it's like oh now i get it mm. but yeah anyway it was a side no, tangent i don't think i have pants at that point so like plot a pantser and me naked running through the fields <laughs> so hoping that the story comes out coherent in the end right <laughs> exactly so say we all one of the things that obviously hits with this book is we, we talked about it earlier the dark themes characters die we lose a main pov we lose Sefi, who's been with us since morningstar you know they, we we lose a lot over the course of and a lot of ground over the course of this book literally like mm. earth within like two sentences or something like that which is insane you, there's a whole book there that is the conquering of earth or like 200 pages or whatever but i don't know how how do we feel about the the character deaths the dark moments that happen throughout this series this book i'm still not ready to admit that like alexander is dead <laughs> I know you can't keep like that happened three times in that book. He's like, he's dead. He's not, he's dead. He's not. Okay. Now he's actually been shot in the face. He's a hundred percent. You cannot come back from that because you know, there were so many times that he was just, you know, blue balling us with, Oh, he's dead. I can get him on him. And jokes. He's hidden in the cave with no hair looking like a, you know, foreskin. But I just, (laughs) like that one devastated me. I cried for like three days and that's primarily why I hate Lysander and I find him irredeemable. If he, if he didn't, but I understand why he did it. Like, he had to become irredeemable for most readers. Um, everyone else I could kind of live with, I think. Ephraim sucks, but I could deal with. Sefi, like, dope way to go out, but I kind of hated her by the end of it. Orion. Um, that fucked me up. Good God. especially That's, that, in, that's remember, in the first 150 pages. Like I remember picking up the book for the first time. I think for some reason I just flicked through it dumb don't do that but i got to the point where it was where they just rescued her and i think her you know it's the way he says that he you know she salutes him without a fingers hail reaper all that sort of stuff in my brain when i first read that just that sentence i'm like she's betrayed him she's gonna like you know she's saying hell reaper and then blowing herself up so in my brain i was ready to like crack on with her ryan i was done with her and then to see what actually happened fucked me up man like Tragic. yeah <laughs> oof big <laughs> oof, oof. But I'm glad because it feels like so many people go through so much, like the characters go through so much shit and no one kind of, I don't want to say deals with the PTSD of it all, but essentially deals with the PTSD of it. Like Darrow has taken Mm -hmm. some shit and yeah, we get to see some of Darrow's shit. And I guess Ephraim, now that I think about it, 
more so in the second series. So obviously. A lot of shit. Yeah. yeah now right. that I think about it in the second series, is there's a lot more acknowledgement of what the fuck they've been through. Whereas in book one, I feel like yeah. Darrow just kept, you know, getting hit, getting hit, getting hit. And obviously they live in this tough world, but I liked that you kind of got to see that some people just don't come back from war essentially. So that's where I I'm think at was, with it. That was Ephraim's perspective for the first book. And then into the second book, that's what he added was like, here's what we lost in the intervening 10 years. Like, yeah, he was, he was kind of the pain, the trauma, the PTSD of it all. So PJ, what were you going to say? I just, I came to not trust any character. Deaths. <laughs> no, you did not. I yeah. Came, yeah. I, it really tickled my conspiracy theorist brain for a little while there for <laughs> for basically every single one of the character deaths. Except Cassius, though. You were in on Cassius being dead, which is wild. Really? Yeah. You were in. No, yeah. man, any he was off-screen in. death is not on the cards. Like, if they're, they're, I don't yeah. get to see a shot-in-the-face body. Someone mourning the shot-in-the-face body, Ronna crying in the different. Nah, not it. Not that. Yeah. Yeah. But we'd written That's off crazy. Cassius. You had written off Cassius, which is why I was like, thank God, because I wanted that yeah. payoff to happen. That's, but, yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the only ones. I That is the only one. <laughs> that is really the only one. I was I feel like I infuriated you for a while there about me not believing that Virginia was dead. Well, I knew that she wasn't because I've already read it. <laughs> so it's not fair to say that. But yeah, Did you I mean, think she was dead after Red Doves. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Well, everyone else says ah. that she's dead, right? Like everyone else says it, oh, and so I was like, "Of course, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not say what the characters are saying because I'm not, I can't like forward oh. read the plot for him, you know." So, oh no, of course, yeah, no, but, yeah. yeah, okay, no, I didn't, I didn't even think that. I think I was just like, "Nah, you can't kill Mustang." <laughs> nope, not happening. Plot armor. So, okay. Fair, yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. Like when Dara was like about to 100 percent be dead, get raped, left in a ditch. Plot armor. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Even even with Cassius at the end, yeah. Oh, that moment with that is something else. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of violence in this. Uh, we obviously also get like in the sequel trilogy a ton of villains. Like we we have so many that I almost mm. can't imagine them all being paid off perfectly in the sequel. Like we had to get rid of Serafina via shell because that's reality yeah. and that's kind of the you know you have to like start ditching characters. But how do you adequately like pay off Atlas, Atalantia? There's just so many Ajax. I mean, where I where do they all go? Apollonius. Yeah, I, oh, I love Apple though. Like I, right. Ooh, right. I love. I've always like Tactus. I've got a bird. I named him Tactus. Like ooh. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like Tactus was a very shitty. Tactus person. is a piece of shit. Yeah, right. I love them. I love like apart from oh, fuck with Tarsus. I love the others. I love the other mm. two boys. Yeah, big fan. Um, and just of what you were saying, like killing people, like toothless, toothless, tongueless, tongueless. In, like, the yep. first. Everyone's, everyone had, like, these theories that this is Ragnar's dad or that, you know, he was going to be some, you know, like, why did he get in the... Yeah, no, just yeet. Pieces. Didn't need him. <laughs> yeeted into the song. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Fucking but dead. That's the thing. I don't care about half the villains because there are so many and they're so overwhelming. Like, I love Atlas. Very keen to see, like, his whole deal. Yeah. But apart from that, like, I don't really, I don't really care about Atalantia. Like, ooh, she's sexy and, like incestual and scarred like dope so am i like, she's whatever. a snake Not- Ooh. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so don't- am i whatever incestual and <laughs> i heard it as soon as i said it yeah this is why i don't leave the house um anyway skipping that um i just i know i just read oedipus which is why my brain like yeah, incestual is the word that's sticking out and incestuous is the one in my head at the moment so that'll that'll yeah. stick with you for a long time yeah, i'm gonna pull that out in the worst circumstances like now. 
Yeah, right. The reverse complex is her name, though. What's the mom in that? What's Yucasta. her? Yeah, Yucasta. Because it's the Yucasta yeah. complex and the Oedipus complex. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I've been quoting that all week. I've just been like, mm, that's very Oedipus of you. Oh, what are you cast a complex? Like, fuck, fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't care about a lot of the villains because there's just there's so many. And I think that's why I hated the book to begin with because it was just so overwhelmingly bad sure. that it was just kind of like, cool, I'm tired. Like, it exhausted me, which, again, when you think about it, great. It's exactly what you want your book to do to people, like have an emotional yeah. profound effect, not exhaust them. Always. Yeah, and like that's I couldn't even name all of the villains right now off the top of my head. It's to to me in my head, it's like the Empire Strikes Back of books, um, in in a lot of ways, right? Where like the Empire Strikes Back for Star Wars ends on like this big down note, right? For the whole the whole sequence. I only say this because PJ is illiterate, so I I need to bring up something so that he can understand what we're talking about. I haven't actually seen or read those ones. So. Oh well, it's fun. It's seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's a movie from You're the seventies. It's okay. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Star Wars references. Yes. Oh, Big Star fan. Wars for sure. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> moment that. where everyone realizes. I'm not a sci-fi realizes. reader. Oh, like, that's okay. The thing. Red Rising is the first sci-fi that I had ever read and absolutely loved. And so when people are like, oh, you'd love the sci-fi book. I'm like, I fucking hate sci-fi. Absolutely not. Like, oh, but you love Red Rising. I was like, mm. but book one is where it got me. Uh-huh. And that was more fantasy, um, dystopian, Hunger Gamesy. And the Hunger Games was my shit. When I tell you it was my absolute DNA for like 10 years. So... Yeah, just sorry off of that. No, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I mean, belongs a and part of the part of the thing that we're going into now and don't ruin it or like impart impressions for PJ. But we're going to read Mistborn next, according to our fans and whatnot, by Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so part of the reason that that was obviously recommended is kind of the fantasy connections and things like that. So it's very different. Um, I have feelings about sanderson but that's where we're going next um <laughs> I so have feelings about sanderson. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it, it's it's going to be a good time we'll, we'll have fun with it um but yeah I, I mean part of the <laughs> part of the reason that um red rising is so compelling is because it is kind of just romans and space vikings you know like yeah it is it is fantasy just set in a sci-fi setting. You know, it's it's everything but Dune, but made more reasonable and logical. Based on that, like, did you guys, again, I don't know how much sci-fi you guys read um, or not read either or, yeah. but I found, <laughs> especially with this, <laughs> especially with the second saga, I found it really hard to visualize. And as a, I don't know, if, mm. as a filmmaker or whatever, I love to you know, visualize what I'm reading, obviously. Duh. But I struggled really hard in the second two books because of the scale of things. Like, we're on different planets, cool. But the ships are, like, you know, 50 kilometers long. And I don't, like, again, metric in terms of where we live. But it was just too big for me to, like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll look up in the sky. What could I see? And I'm like, 50, like, you know, 50K, that's a, like a, you know, a 20-minute, 30-minute drive. I'm like, that's a long fucking ship, for starters. And then, you know, the um, the mech things that uh, run a... The um, like Yagers. Yeah, the fact that golds in general are six feet tall. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I don't know a lot of six foot tall people. Like <laughs> PJ is standing right now, but he's six seven, so he is actually the size of an average gold. So like PJ is a gold by stature. Good lord. Yeah. Well fair enough. And, and the fact that obsidians are bigger than that. It's yeah, just like right. I and uh, you know, going off the metric, yeah. I'm probably the size of a brown. Maybe the red is smaller than me. And so yeah. to me I'm just like, I can't and that's why I'm really interested. I am a gray. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like who I don't know, but the fact that that's, that's what I'm interested to see if it ever, when it gets made into, you know, a, a TV show, how do you do that? 
I guess similar to Lord of the Rings Hobbits, but still. A lot of, lot of perspective really stuff. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. I just I, found it really hard scale-wise with this book. So a lot of it, I think, kind of went out the window in my brain because I was like, oh, I don't know what that looks like too big. It's just like the characters <laughs> existing in a black room of playing out the action and then everything else is just kind of background noise. And I, I think that's where like a lot of people get caught up in the argument of do you do animation or do you do live action, right? Is especially given mm. the second se- series, mm. like, you know, like most of that's going to have to be CGI in terms of the larger battles. You can't do yeah. a battle of the bastards until the last part of this book in theory because that's actually like horses riding in on each other and everything else and it's got a lot of drama there but everything else combat wise outside of like the immediate razor duels has to be predominantly cgi how else are you going to pull a lot of that off so yeah i i do agree with that other moments though i feel like are very cinematic and i think that's that speaks to pierce brown's experience as a screenwriter and like moving into screenwriting more and more you can kind of see that in the sequel series Mm. i think i I feel like those arguments can still be made. The same the same thoughts and the same arguments can be applied to Morningstar as well though. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is that's, that's way more space battle y than even yeah. the second two. Or the even last a bit in Golden books. Sun as well. Like they spend most of the time in space yeah. on a ship. But that's yeah. I think that's what it was for me. Like they stayed in one spot. Like they were in a ship or they were uh, in the institute or they were you know, in specific places where on Mars, you know, the Iron Iron Rain, which is just one scene, which, you know, exactly. But with, you Mm. know, Dark Age, like obviously so many different POVs, so many different places, like, you know, all of Ephraim stuff in like the in the Obsidian world and shit like that, or which in my brain is just Valhalla. Realistically, it's just essentially Vikings. (laughs) It's Kattegat Mm -hmm. Vikings. But all of that sort of stuff, like I just can't. I don't know. Like I part of me, I think if it had to go and like be film, I would want it to be animated because that way they can do everything like absolutely everything. It can be as close to the book as possible. Live action, much harder, obviously. But then I'm also kind of like, mm, but what if I just slip in my resume and CV and hope for the best? Like I'm very <laughs> small, but like CGI, like you could buff me up, like give me Victra and I will beef the shit up. So I'm like on two minds. I want to be on it, but then I also don't want it to be a series at all because the books are so mm-hmm. good and it just, but then you hope that it's Hunger Games ish in the way that it just enhanced the experience. Yeah. That it so. like builds upon also like everyone else's yeah. impression and like it's a big, and then you get your Octavia deal. backstory and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. So. Right. Well, right. Yeah. Not that like the ballad of songs and stakes was that great, but oh, no, and songs, songs and stakes. Yeah. Right. I did not shit. have a good time. We didn't, yeah. we didn't need it. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we're on Which the same sucks, page. I was like, I was so yeah. excited for I it. I wanted You're it. Like, yeah. Right. Right. PJ has no idea. No. PJ hasn't read the Hunger Games or seen the Hunger Games, which is right. Blasphemy. You see my problem here. You see oh, my problem. Ca- Catching Fire is my like fucking comfort movie. I've seen it 17 times. Wow. By it's... itself. I won't watch the other ones. <laughs> I've seen that one 17 times. No, I was like an obsessive teenager. It was disgusting. I had a lot of I went to a dark place. <laughs> <laughs> Good Fair Lord. enough. Fair enough. PJ, you're going to say something. Just speaking about the the series, the upcoming series, we know the budget for it. Do we know the, the scope? budget they're seeking? Is that I, I thought it was picked up. Well, the, no. So they're looking at final green light, right? Which is where they're at okay. right now, according to Brian McKellen, Brian McClellan, uh, Powder Mage author interview that they did two weeks ago. I don't know if you've listened to that podcast, <laughs> um, but Pierce did a, a, yeah. did a. <laughs> did an interview in which he actually talked about some of the stages that they were in and kind of the, the conversations that they were in where 
he's picked up a number of writers. They've they have gone through a number of initial interviews. They're past pitching stage, mm. and now they're in final funding and final distributor mm. stage, basically. So pre-pilot okay. but distributor. Um, yeah, I do know some things that I don't think I'm allowed to say, so A-okay. I won't. But I'm excited. The one there's one thing about it that I'm very excited for. Um, which is a person who's attached to it, if they're still attached to it. Like, last sure. I heard they were. That's one thing that I'm very fucking keen for. And from what I've seen of it, interested to see how it will translate, especially given the uh, terrain of where the world is going in terms of um, just in terms of what's popular at the moment. Mm. Um, Foundation, whatnot. In, in, in yeah. that sort of genre. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, when you think of... Red Rising as a book, Hunger Games is probably Ender's Game is kind of the first thing that comes to mind in how they would have pitched it. And so you would think, oh, it would have been popular back then when like Divergent was coming out and all that sort of shitty attempts to, to remake the same thing. So hopefully given some time and, you know, some space from that YA hubbub that it will fit in better. But I'm also kind of like, I feel like they're angling more towards fantasy these days with like The Witcher and Wheel of Time and um, yep. All of that sort of stuff. So I'm just kind of like, unless it's like fucking vampires or it comes back up again and makes a resurgence, I'm like, it's going to be really hit and miss because it is such a genre specific show. And so I'm like, I, I think it'll hopeful. it'll take time to like hook an audience regardless. That's kind of why sure. even even when um, this interview came out and whatnot, when Pierce was talking about it, I kind of I was reserved about the whole thing. And I'm like, you know, what? it's it'll happen or it doesn't. And Hugh Howie mm. with Wool had had like a dozen, like a decade worth of like false starts and stops. And like, he's like, mm. I won't believe it until cameras roll because I've sold this like three exactly. times. So, yeah, you know, and it doesn't then, matter. Like, until you can shoot a whole show and then it gets thrown yeah. in the trash anyway. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, I was like, yeah. OK, I until totally agree with that mentality. <laughs> right. Un- yeah. Until there's like serious either star power attached plus they're filming like in those moments. It's like, cool. Rebecca Ferguson sitting down and filming with Hugh Howie. We're good. That's that sounds yeah. like we were we're a go. But uh, we're yeah. nowhere near that yet. Uh, I was going to say like any book adaptation, like excited, hopeful, but also super fucking reserved and very <laughs> like, I don't want to hate it because, you know, I don't know if you guys were. I mean, I, I wasn't like a Shadowhunters fan. But just seeing like how all of that, you know, these super popular books, everyone's obsessed with, everyone loves the movie tanked. And then they're like, oh, make a TV series tanked even harder than the movie. Like, and that's that's like one of the biggest properties in like YA history or Period. whatever. Yeah. And so for that to tank, you're Potter, just kind of like, yeah. ooh, yeah. You're like, okay, if, like if that can tank, ah. But then also that's a lot of added pressure as well. So who knows? Yeah, I saw that movie on opening day with a girlfriend at one point, um, almost a decade ago, it feels like. But yeah, it had to be forever ago. And I I had not read the books at that point, went in and I watched it. And I was like, well, this is an interesting enough premise, but like, yeah, it seems poorly executed. And then I read the books. and I was like, oh, this is good. Like, this is a good yeah. time. So, yeah. Hmm. PJ has no idea. Okay. He's just sitting there in the void. Um, I wouldn't recommend like I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend reading them. I don't think yeah, this one. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's they're done. They had the time back yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. I just like to ah. feel included. So thank, thanks for having me. Happy to be here on the wall. <laughs> Patrick Starr in the conversation here. Yeah, <laughs> I it's, uh, it's perfect. So we've we've gone through most of this episode without talking about Darrow, which is crazy, but also Oof. logical because of the way the book kind of skirts mm. around Darrow in a lot of ways. And Severo, how how do we all feel about the the changes in the themes of Darrow in the second trilogy? 
and sort of the the move here. I've I've made the argument for for you in case you haven't heard. My argument is is that there's two different sides of Darrow. There's the Reaper and there's Darrow, and Darrow wants to be with his family, and the Reaper is a different personality of which I think dies mm-hmm. at the end of Dark Age when Lysander beats him when the when the sickle is broken. That's my thematic. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Like that. That's that's my thought with where this arc is going, but I was like, Lysander doesn't been... beat him. Well, Nobody no, beats he's Reaper, broken. Let's just <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, in quotes so, for everyone who's listening because I did that physically. <laughs> anyway, uh. we've been we've been discussing Darrow as two very discreet characters, effectively, mm-hmm. in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in 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 the last two books, really in the last book, more or less. Dark Age is really kind of where it diverges more, mm-hmm. and we we talk about it more. But I absolutely think that was kind of intended, though. And he even refers to himself as Darrow and the other sort of personality, as we call it, as the Reaper. And similarly, Mustang refers to the Mother and the Sovereign as two basically separate personalities yeah. and almost separate, distinct characters. So I, I think it's intended entirely. Oh, for sure. Like he and, is what he was made to be, essentially. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, I again, like I, I kind of go off the first time I read it, which is my initial thoughts. And then to my where I'm at after having sat with it for a while. And I I think it changed for me very much when I think it was it was either he or Mustang said something along the lines of um, uh, well, the fact that Darrow didn't go back, the fact that he didn't choose his family because Mustang had it. And like, what's he going to do essentially that she can't do. And I thought that was very like, yay feminism. But I really <laughs> liked that. Cause I was like, that's a very fucking valid point. And it gets, you know, it gets further on the lines of, you know, if he was to leave, what's his, uh, his army essentially like, you know, he's, he's cultivated this war and which, you know, at this point people are questioning, even though you're like dancer for starters, fuck you right off, sir. You are the reason we are here. Four starters, mm. shut your mouth yeah. and sit down. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if he, if he just, you know, your, your leader, if your leader just dips and you've, you know, served the last 10 years in a foreign planet away from your family fighting for this dream and the, the dream holder dips, you're kind of like, well, fuck that. Whereas Mustang yeah. has that. Must, like you, Mustang has the children getting back. And that's not a, to be like, oh, Mustang stays at home and looks after the kids sort of thing. No, but what right. what can't Victor and Mustang do that the boys can do apart from yay violence? But fucking Victor, you've seen her. I wouldn't cross that. Absolutely not. I'd fear her ten times more than Severo. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah. So that's a decision. I, oh, sorry. No, no, go. That's a decision I completely did not understand Severo to make. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand uh, how he could. Ch- I, I get the want to. Yeah. But I don't understand the rationalization of I'm going to spend 14 months in a spaceship to leave the war that I'm helping lead mm. to maybe go find my daughter who's been taken today. See, I didn't either. But then when I thought about Severo's whole family thing and yeah. how he's yeah. yeah, his whole backstory, apart from loyalty, which was the hard part for him, obviously leaving Dara, who was his his chosen family. Um, as a, uh, Victor as well, chosen family. And I guess she kind of chose him more than anything. But <laughs> those, the daughters, like she, he doesn't want to be the kind of father that Fitchner was to him. And like, you know, circumstances are different and everything like that. But as you know, you kind of is alluded to in the series, like those kids are Severo's life. And I think mm. I, 
I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids, but having had yeah. a kid for fucking 10 weeks, like even that, I'm already to fucking go to the mat for her. And she's super boring. Like she doesn't fucking do anything. She's a baby. <laughs> she just sucks me dry and sleeps and shits on me. Like super boring. <laughs> but I fucking It sounds love like a great kid. time. Yeah. No, truly, I hate kids. Like I'm not a kid yeah. person. Never thought I would have kids. I love this one. This one's all right. But <laughs> it's just even then, and I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's different for a man. Obviously, maternal, all that sort of shit that goes into it. But I can understand that. And I guess coming from a similar, not a similar background, but several family wise, but it's always been a, a not easy thing to navigate. And so I can see that, and I can see it more every time I read. Every time I read it, I hate it more. Whereas when I first read it, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, several off yeah, his family, right. off with his girls. But it wasn't until I kind of came to accept the, you know, trust Mustang and Victor to get the job done sort of thing that I was like, yeah, fuck you. Go back. Like, Darren needs you more. Like, he's he needs you as, like, a person. The team needs you. Like, I get it. And that's why I'm – that's why I said I hated Severo. Well, not hated Severo, but had um, – Thoughts mixed where feelings. Dislike, yeah. yeah, mixed right. feelings about Severa towards the end of the book. Like normally, yeah. if I had read this book and he had stayed with Darrow and the ending that he came to, I would be shitting my pants. I would be terrified. I mean, like I am still, but I'm not as afraid. And I also think Pierce has set Severo up as a character to kind of have, like he's the, like undeniably the fan favorite, right? Like everyone's like, hail Severo. Okay, all right. So where yeah, I've for the most part, yeah, yeah, the world, yeah. yeah. Right. Especially in the original trilogy, he was like, you know, the everyone wants yep. Severo. He was the dude. Yep. Yeah. And so for where he's at now, I think, and especially where it ended, I think it's kind of like we all expect him to die. And so it's just kind of like, is Pierce going to do like, yep, cool, expect him to die, he's dead? Or <laughs> PJ is just contemplating this for the first time and you can see it. <laughs> he just broke <laughs> emotionally. My running theory is that he's going to get fucking peter malarked which again you're not going to get a cover at the hunger <laughs> games but he's essentially going to get turned on darrow uh, and then released back into darrow's care and fuck them up from the inside which yeah. would kill me but then i've in my brain darrow and victor put him uh, down like a dog and it's very devastating in what i have thought is going to hopefully won't happen hopefully he just lives happily ever after and that's the yeah. real fuck up but that's what like i'm very torn with severo mm. now and i was like hardcore severo is my favorite character love him would die for him but now i'm like if he dies could i survive it probably which is a very so, weird guess, place to be <laughs> i guess I the question agree. there is even <laughs> if that doesn't happen and he just comes back like and he shows up and talks to victra and learns about ulysses mm. and what happened there does that break him Ah, uh, I mean, just thinking of the parts of like, he's the first son and, but then he didn't know he was a son. And then is he going to know that he's a son and is that going to fuck him up? Or I don't know. I don't know. I also think by like four kids and sorry to anyone who has that many kids, like that's too many fucking kids. Nobody needs that. I'm the oldest kids. of five. So yeah, I feel so, that. I'm also the it oldest is, of five. It is too many kids. It is too <laughs> many children. Child, so. I entirely agree. I'd, I'd drop the lower three in a heartbeat. <laughs> Well, the fact that Pierce Brown couldn't even keep the name right, the fact yeah, that the author right. couldn't even get the name of the second child right, I'm just like, see was what it, I mean? Was that like, Calypso? It went from, it, like, not being, it was, like, Diana at one point, and then it was Celine, and you're just kind of like, what yeah. the fuck's her name? <laughs> Sorry I brought that up. But, um... Nah. That's what I, like, that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't know, honestly. I don't know if that will be the thing that breaks him. I think, if anything, were to happen to... I want to say Electra because she's the favorite, but I also don't think anything would happen to her. 
Like realistically, I feel like she's got a bit of plot armor. I feel like the the, the kidnapping was happened to her sort of thing. Yeah, right. I don't think right. it's gonna get much worse. I really don't know, actually. Now that you've mentioned it, I'm really not sure, and I don't think I care, which is the worst <laughs> part because I love Severo, and uh-huh. in my brain I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I've written him off already, mm, and funny. I don't know if that's a, a good thing because it's only really happened in the last book, so. Yeah, right. Like, he's totally gone mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, he shows up in, in the intervening scenes before kind of the Dave Roy doves and everything like that. But he's mm-hmm. not there. And his his presence is kind of missed. I mean, to some degree. But I think it's also filled in by a couple of other. I mean, Ephraim is more comedic, yeah. of course. And so he kind of fills that void in a dark, cynic mm-hmm. way. Cynicism. Um, and then Cicero, I think, as well, is pretty funny in Lysander's chapters. Um, I don't know yeah. if you got that, but I was like, nah. This is the, this yeah. is the gold humor of Cassius that we got back in Red Rising. That's what I mean, like I just didn't care about so many characters because yeah. there were so many characters. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's so, awful. Bringing Fuck up, these guys. Bring yeah. Bringing up Electra. This is something that Cross and I never actually talked about, mm. but mm. is a quote that stuck in my head, and I want to know what you guys think of it. During the reunion of Pax and Electra and their parents, their moms, Virginia says to Electra, like, look how big you've gotten or like, look how much you've grown. And just deadpan, Electra responds, maybe you've just gotten smaller and then walks away. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that comment? What that might hmm. mean? Are you paying attention to that because you are heightist? <laughs> no, no I, I don't think it has anything to do with a physicality. It's a metaphorical. It's, yeah, it, I think it's entirely it a, metaphorical. She's become touchable now, as opposed mm. to, you know, she's the sovereign, she's Mustang, like, she's untouchable. That's what I thought with the Red Dogs Day. The that fact that sense. anyone had the balls to touch her in, like, a physical brutality mm. way, I was like, whoa. It's like oh. you, you're meeting your heroes. Like, when your heroes, you find out that your favorite author <sighs> has done something awful or your favorite celebrity has done something terrible, and you're just like, yeah. you're a little more human now, like, a little more mortal. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean isn't in terms a- of... Yeah, it's but isn't that a weirdly yeah. hostile like response from Electra at that point? Oh, not from Electra. Yeah. I would expect that from her. But just in yeah. general, like it is still a like it, it could come from Pax and still sting. I think it would have stung mm. more actually. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's not out of character, but it is mm-hmm. interesting, and especially because I don't think Electra is one of those characters that it, uh, I mean, obviously admits her feelings, but would admit she admired Mustang. And obviously, as her, like, pseudo-aunt and everything, there's a bit of that. But I think, you know, as a strong female role model, maybe, I think it would be really interesting as well. But then I'm not really sure what her relationship is, how much she knows about what Mustang did to get them back. So that's kind of like, is she saying, you know, you could have done more to help us? Like, if she said that to Darrow, it would make perfect sense. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't come back to help or whatever. And so... I think it just depends on, yeah, on a lot of, like, subtext that we don't have or see, that we just kind of are left to make up for ourselves, in my opinion. Yeah, but that that would also be, I feel like we have most of the information that Electra has, Mm. Electra has about what they were doing behind the scenes to try to get them back. Like, I I don't think she has that much information at this point. But also Mustang's really hard to read, which is, like, half of her character. Yeah. You know, like she'll give you what she wants you to see. But and that's why I liked her POV. Originally, I was hesitant because I was like, what do we what do we get from her? Like super boring. But having yeah, like the 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 face, like the mask and then Mm -hmm. the actual heart of it all. 
I think that might, and again, kids, like, I don't want to give them too much credit, but like, realistically, I don't think she has the brain capacity to acknowledge that. Like, she's obviously got some as a gold, as the son of, the daughter of Victor, you know, she's smarter than your average kid, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I was like thinking about half that shit in terms of like people saying one thing and meaning something else. So yeah that's fair that's also how i feel about pax's character at this point which is mm. difficult to parse you know like as a 10 year old we we've talked about it yeah. a couple of times but the like intellectual differential between like a 10 year old a human 10 year old and a gold 10 yeah. year old completely yeah. different in theory i agree i guess yeah, yeah it's gotta be i yeah. agree yeah we made a lot of like <laughs> to catch a predator jokes with like lysander and seraphina so like that was a whole thing because seraphina is like 15 and lysander is like 20 mm. and so like there's that whole uh, Wait, what? discourse but so lysander's like 20 years old and seraphina's like 15 16 i'm pretty sure yeah. she's like 18 uh well it's, so it's yes something like that. she's presented as older but in morningstar she's yeah. a six-year-old yeah and it's yeah. 10 years it's a decade so yeah. it's like she's 16 maybe 17 at best but even that makes that i wouldn't trust the editing process in terms of like that fair enough just been, like in the first yeah. book that i got it fucking says that uh, dancer is married to dara's mom Correct, which I actually never told PJ that that was the mistake, oh. and that's why you should not read the Dramatis Persona, is because it does make yeah. that specific error, which is egregious. Yeah, which that, mm-hmm. and then even even to say the Severus daughter's names, like there are some things that I don't trust, but like agreed, like it could just be that I fucked up and she just read, they like, all just read older. Even Lysander in Morningstar reads older than whatever the fuck he was. So yeah, very very true. He does even as a ten year old. He actually reads very similar to Pax. He's very intelligent, you know, yeah. like he just is yeah. to begin with, and that that makes yeah. a lot of sense given the upbringing. So yeah, yeah. that matches. That matches. Mm-hmm. Kids, Ugh. kids, children. <laughs> oh, how Gross. vile it is to have to Disgusting. take care of another human. Ugh. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. So, I, I love this. Like this, I haven't spoken to fucking human beings in a long time. <laughs> who are like adults who can give you more than like eh, and like vomit on you. So I really <laughs> appreciate it. I mean, thank you. We'll do that if you want. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> long distance I mailed. It's a, it's a whole problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mummy kink. No, absolutely not. Fuck off. Um, oh man. <laughs> thank you that's for asking. Um, so, thank you for checking on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So maybe like, so given that Lysander knows of Atalantia's intent, I find it very hard to believe that he doesn't have some sort of ulterior motive uh, beyond this is what will help the society most. Oh sure. Especially given the way that he's kind of progressed as a as a character and devolved from that really kind of honorable. (laughs) This is what gold should be. The iron gold standard. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. He's kind oh, of devolved from that a little now, bit. Sure. It is very yeah. tainted. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, what do you think we can expect from him going forward, especially in relation to Atalantia? And do you think there will be any sort of amicable end to their joining? <laughs> um, I, I think we can expect some more <laughs> pussy ass bitch shit. Um, that's all I really expect from Lysander at this point. Like, I don't even care. I don't even care what he does because I know I'm. Just, it's gonna be pussy bitch. He could like save Darrow, and I'd be like, "Yeah, you pussy bitch, you better." Um, <laughs> I agree. I definitely ulterior motive thought that from the beginning. Um, but he's always had a mummy kink. Like mm-hmm. when you think about it, and so any sort of mummy to him, he's like, "I may hate this, but I'm still gonna blow my load in her." So it's a very 
strange. I feel like anytime you introduce, no offense, a man who thinks with his dick, mm-hmm. like it's, so it's not a it's not men in general. <laughs> Anytime you've got um, a man in the story, it's just going to be a problem. <laughs> the fact that I even like Darrow, he had to work really hard for that. No. Um, yeah. Look, I hope that he, uh, that slips her one, like with a knife kills her is what I was getting at. That is not a jacking off. <laughs> question. That I'm sure. Will anyway, yeah, look, okay. I hope I hope that I hope he kills her with a knife to the jugular. Yeah. Um, but also, I kind of hope she kills him or like, you know, uses that snake, wraps around his throat, like really brings him to the brink of death in some like weird autoerotic asphyxiation thing. Like if Pierce Brown is only going to give us sex through them, I want it to be fucking disgusting. <laughs> I want it to be so gross that we never want anything from Pierce Brown sexy again. Um, so <laughs> now no, all I, I want. All I want is Hypatia to be in the bedroom with them. Like on a she, regular is. Basis. she is. She is She's there. Yeah, but She's but ab- not like, like I no. want I want one of one or both of them to be choked during the act by the snake. I have I have owned a snake and I would never wish that on him. He was an asshole, but I would never I would never wish that on him. Um look, like I said, I don't I'm not super invested as long as he dies a horrible death, but I also don't see that happening. Mm. I don't know what will happen. I keep forgetting that he's a wax melt like 90% of the time. Um, <laughs> I forget that he looks like a sad candle, but <laughs> half of his oh, face yeah. is burnt. Yeah. yeah. Half. You like forget, this half. Cause everyone keeps getting fixed up. They keep getting remade and carved. You're like, Oh, I bet he's beautiful. And then you just, you just picture Atalanta. You're like licking like the melted, skin and like tonguing the eye hole it's disgusting but that's where my brain went <laughs> so, there, there was a, there was a period in high school in which i was a diver for the diving team and i smashed my face into the board and ground Sorry, up this half that. of my face oh but like i literally can imagine the way that lysander looks because i look in the mirror and i was like i look disgusting like the half <laughs> half my face was scabbed over and i was just like mm. oh and when lysander was described that was a i feel you like that sucks but i appreciate it because everyone else is gorgeous so I appreciate yeah, right. that he's fuck ugly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then there, there he's like, yeah, there was another quote that we kind of glanced over during that triumph from Atalantia, which said, I told you to go earn a scar, not become one. <laughs> so <laughs> she's brutal. <laughs> hey there, folks. Shortly after this moment, we actually lost the audio on Pierre's side for about the next seven minutes or so. Uh, before she had to go take care of her little one so uh, it was fantastic to have her on but unfortunately we lost just this little segment however even before this in this moment of which is now lost in time we agreed to do another episode and had already laid out some plans to do one relatively soon so thank you so much Piera. of course we're going to say that again here and there but just wanted to cut in to explain why this episode ends kind of kind of abruptly (laughs) all right Back to Cross. Thank you so much, Piera, for making time in your schedule to chat with us uh, about everything Dark Age and a lot of Red Rising in the universe at, at large. Um, definitely would would love to have you back at some point to chat more about this and or other books that we read. Um, it was it was such a great time. It was fantastic. We, you know, and and not speaking ill of anything else, we came to the same sort of like bond that we do in a lot of our episodes in like 10 minutes as opposed to an hour yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Which was great. But, you know, I, it's my my cheeks hurt right yeah. now. I was smiling the entire we were time. This was such a so joy hard. to actually record. Yeah. yeah. This was so much fun. So I am so happy to have had her here. This was great. It was it was a great episode and we got to talk about a lot of things. Um and there's so much more to uncover as she had like given us ideas and other things that she wanted to talk about. So there's no doubt that in the future at some point or another we will find a way to make it back with Piera and discuss further about Red Rising. I'm sure by the time that we get to the sixth book and kind of that ending, there's no way that won't happen again. Um but it was mm-hmm. it was so fantastic to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Any other thoughts, PJ? No, just, this was great. This was all I could have hoped for. I mean, I could have hoped for like three or four more hours. This would have been, <laughs> that would, that would have been awesome, but that's obviously yeah. that's impossible to ask of anybody. So Yeah, right. We're we're very rare because our our, our archetype is generally doing our, or like two, hour and a half to like two to three hour episodes sometimes. We've been doing a lot of <laughs> We've three been to long. four hour recordings lately. Ooh, yeah, a couple, a couple. <laughs> um, but, you know, when it when it comes out of the edit, it ends up being shorter, of course. But, you know, I mean, so grateful, of course, to everyone who's been a guest on the show. Uh, we're so excited. This it has been a fantastic opportunity to have everyone on. Um, and that to say, like we've, we've kind of been talking about this being the end of things. We've got like a month ish worth of stuff left with the red rising. So we're not even done <laughs> as far as that goes. So um, I want to, I want to just real quickly before we kind of talk about the end of things, talk about what we have coming in the future. So next up next week is going to be an episode with Zeph, which is going to start with a little bit of, Lysander arguments and uh, kind of proponent discussions that we'll be having with uh, Zeph Hawaiian, uh, Logan Sandoval, if you don't know him, uh, incredible, renowned across the United States, barbecue chef, one of the best um, in L.A., Simi Valley. Definitely, if you're in the area, check him out. And of course, if you're here, you might you've probably heard the name because he's been everywhere and he is he's been like a day one day one fan, day one supporter of us here and so he's been an advocate um to to make sure he's like i have to be on the fucking show dudes and if i'm not on the show i don't know he said just beer like there's no way there's no way he doesn't get on the show um yeah, no for sure so that's that's Love gonna him. be great after that we're going to be covering uh the sons of aries comics book one and book two over the course of two weeks and then we will have at least one postseason episode so that's where we'll leave you for this week thank you as fucking always, Tim and Andrew, for making sure this show exists. <laughs> I don't think it would without them. I think we would just be shouting into our own respective microphones and uh, none of you would hear it. So thank you, you two. You guys rock. Um, check out the links to the show notes. You can find our schedule. Check out all the our links in the show notes. You can find our schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, websites, socials, fucking everything all in one very convenient location. Yeah. And that convenient location will give you access, of course, like PJ said, to the Patreon, to the calendar that you might want to take a look at for the Mistborn, Mistborn reading schedule as we proceed through that series as well as anything else that we've going on in the future we've got a lot of things kind of pending and you'll be able to see all that there beyond that this month uh and next month we're releasing a number of unique patreon shows which i think are more than worth checking out we've got 
the hard pan show in which I cover sort of with uh, with our producer Andrew, like PJ mentioned, uh, contemporary music and the like, and speculative knowledge. We're going to be talking about Doom Eternal and sort of the failings versus Doom 2016, and then. Next month, we're going to be talking about on PJ's Symposium, Chernobyl, PJ's favorite series, and also Tim Olson, one of our producers' favorite series. So the three of us will be having that discussion. And there's a lot lot on the plate going into the future. So, yeah, yeah. Um, plenty plenty to check out. But if you haven't, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a follow on whatever platform. Um, it goes a long way to helping boost the show and kind of feed not only just the immediate word of mouth, but also the recommendation engine that is... You know, the algorithms. So thank you so much again to all of our supporters. We can't wait for next week's episode. Yeah, I think next week's going to be a fucking blast. It's going to be ridiculous is what it's going to be. ridiculous. Yeah, there's no way it's going to be absurd. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm having a meat straw next week. So, oh, fuck. Yeah, (laughs) I've already decided. (laughs) 